Mark Latham, good morning to you, mate. Good morning, Marcus. Good to be talking. Yeah, nice to be talking to you as well. Look, uh, again, um, earlier this week, by the way, I I played your audio, uh, a bit of your speech that you made uh, when you had a good old crack at what was happening in New South Wales Parliament, which is not much, mate. And here we are, and I've only learnt in the last 24 hours, probably, um, you won't be sitting in the joint till October sometime. Yeah, if we're lucky, because the Berejiklian government, uh, avoiding scrutiny and transparency, I mean, the state's in crisis, there's millions of people who want questions answered, they'd be expecting their parliament to sit, and I just find it amazing when uh, the place bent over back, on on Tuesday it was like trying to get into Fort Knox, Uh, Mm -hmm. you had to have a temperature check, a rapid antigen test, a QR code, Uh, there's expectation about vaccination in the building, they were going to close the sittings down every two hours to clean the place. Uh, there was special air circulation. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. a building that would have been the safest place in New South Wales, and yet because of Berejiklian, we weren't allowed to sit. Uh, ministers went on strike. They had no urgent business. They just didn't turn up. So uh, for a snubbing of democracy, uh, you've never seen anything worse. Well, I know uh, your colleagues from all, you know, from uh, the crossbench, whether it's uh, the Greens, Mr Shoebridge and, and Labor and others, uh, they all uh, join together in condemning uh, this lack of democracy. I don't know whether it'll change much. I mean, where are we, Mark? We've even had a petition signed by more than 200,000 people in New South Wales. I beg your pardon, tw- is it 200,000? I think it is. Yeah, 200,000. Well, maybe it's 20,000. I'll have to double check it. But the petition's been signed, but still nothing. Well, we'll be lucky to sit in October because right. they don't want to face the accountability. They hide behind the COVID numbers, but yeah. it's a disgrace, Marcus. It really is the worst thing you've ever seen in parliamentary politics, that mm. MPs could be sitting at home on full pay while the nurses, the doctors, the paramedics, the fireys, the police, the essential workers are all pushed out uh, working of a day. Um, why aren't the MPs working? It really is such a terrible double standard. Yeah. And you'd have to think in her own mind, Gladys Berejiklian has kind of got herself into a mindset of a dictator, that she's deciding when she's going to front of the media. She's deciding when the parliament and democracy might resume, maybe next year. I mean, these are terrible times in New South Wales. And when you've got a leader who thinks she's accountable to no one, it really is a worry for the future of our democratic system. Yeah. All right. Look, I've heard you talking about this uh, with my colleague in the afternoon, Brent Boltitude, um, after the announcement yesterday of the AUKUS deal. Um, uh, thoughts are turning to uh, nuclear energy. We're going to have nuclear-powered submarines and capable submarines probably in the next, I don't know, two decades, if we're lucky. Uh, but uh, the question needs to be asked if the French can power their industry and, and you know, uh, their communities using nuclear power. Why can't Australia? Well, it makes a lot of sense for us because New South Wales and other places are going 100% renewable. But nobody's answered the vital question of what keeps the lights on when the sun's not shining, the wind's not blowing. And you do need baseload reliable power. So if they don't want coal, um, then nuclear obviously um, plays a critical role because it's 24-7, the new technology is safe, we've got the uranium in the ground, we're geologically stable. Australia is the logical nuclear power in the world for generating electricity. So if we're going to do it for our submarines, you'd have to think there's a lot of logic for going down that path uh, to keep the lights on, just the the basics of life. Um, But with the submarines, Marcus, you've raised a really good point. 
uh, about these delays, it might be another 15, 20 years before we see the subs. But let's not forget, it was the Rudd government in 2009, so 12 years ago, that made the decision to double the Australian submarines from 6 to 12. So you might end up, from that decision to when we actually see some subs in the water, a 30-year gap. So some big questions have got to be asked about defence decision-making and planning in Canberra. I mean, you leave yourself open as a nation. I know these are very expensive, but it's more expensive, I think, to have a 12-year delay to get to the decision we heard yesterday and then another 15, 20-year delay to have them actually constructed and in the water. That, that's the thing that leaves Australia vulnerable. Well, that's true. Um, and it's not as if the Chinese or any other threats to our sovereignty are going to wait until this deal is done and, you know, uh, the subs are actually in the water. Billions of dollars, too, will still need to be paid to the French. They're upset with a sacre bleu for pulling out of that deal. I think there's been a lot of wasted money in all of this, Mark. Yeah, I think a lot of past governments can be condemned over it, particularly Malcolm Turnbull, who made the decision for the French submarines that were always second class. Um, there was always such a strong argument. I know Pauline Hanson put this argument at the time, that if you want to defend Australia, go for your best capability. And the nuclear submarines can stay under the water for months on end. Nobody knows they're there. They're faster. They've got a longer reach. Yeah. They're superior in every respect. So why did we ever go down the path of the $90 billion deal with the French um, when you could have got these off the shelf from the Americans, which in effect was the announcement yesterday. Yep, that's right. Uh, let's return to COVID in New South Wales. We're getting closer to that 70% mark. Uh, look, I know uh, your stance, One Nation's stance on vaccine passports. Some of the uh, announcements made by the Premier this week uh, in relation to an uh, there was a bit of a misunderstanding. We get calls as to other networks in relation to small business owners being asked to effectively, Mark, uh, be COVID cops once things return to some sort of normality. In other words, you'll need to show your vaccine passport, all the rest of it. I've heard this morning from a truck driver uh, who wanted me to ask you this question. Are business operators at this point in time, I don't think they are, but unless you've heard something different, are they legally able to ask people for their vaccination papers now, on this day? Well, that's a, a very good question. Certainly there's a federal government privacy right. If you fill out a form called Ceasing Correspondence and Release of Information at the Australian Immunisation Register, and yeah. I've done that, as have many others, um, you have a privacy right to say that no third party can view your vaccination status. So the government hasn't cleared that up at state level as to where all this stands. And, you know, small business has been to hell and back yep. in the recent period. Are they really now expected to have, say, a university student working as a waiter yep. um, at, a, at a coffee shop is expected to police a situation where someone out the front is on the tables having coffee and then a friend sits down mm. unvaccinated and that business gets fined because the, the friend sitting down wasn't checked yep. by the university student? I mean, this is a burden on small business they don't want they don't need and I mean common sense should say that businesses should be allowed to get on with trading and, and, and take the revenue they need from all customers or clientele to stay financially viable into the future I mean the compliance cost of this is huge and John Barillaro, I know he was contradicted by his arch enemy Berejiklian but <laughs> Barillaro said oh this is only for three or four weeks why would you bring this massive system in and the compliance cost for three or four weeks to get to 80 percent 
double vaccination, the Doherty target. It just yeah. seems so unnecessary, so short-term, but so destructive for small business. And as you point out, it's creating so much uncertainty. Well, it is. And, uh, and businesses need a plan. Uh, they need a, uh, a a much clearer understanding. I know the Premier's talked about roadmaps, all the rest of it, but even up until yesterday, there's still wishy-washy kind of commentary that's coming from Gladys Berejiklian that you almost need a, or and from others, that you effectively need some kind of degree to understand what they're referring to. I mean, if some educated people, uh, look, everybody is educated on this, but uh, what I'm trying to suggest is, Business owners, as you say, have been to hell and back. They're struggling to make ends meet as it is. They've got rent that's owed. They haven't been able to sell goods and services, all the rest of it. The last thing they want to be doing is trying to understand complex health orders or health legislation, which effectively makes them COVID cops. Well, it is complex, and the health <laughs> orders haven't even been gazetted. Well, that's true. So no business can sit down and read what the, the law is going to be. The the plan markers should be quite simple. Mm. Doherty said if you get to 70%, you can open up. Yep. So 70% double vaccination. Knowing in New South Wales we're steaming towards 80% mm. full vaccination plus maybe 85%. So yep. at 70% you've got that guarantee. Businesses and everything else should open up. We should have a look at Sweden where they haven't done lockdowns, they mm. haven't done masks. They're now a normal society, um, no big number of covid They've got some acquired immunity. They've got a big vaccination rate. I mean, there are models internationally where you can open up safely and get back to being a normal society and and start treating this like a a bad dose of the flu. So that should be the plan. Um, People should get out of lockdown under that plan. The mental health problems, uh, kids should be back at school, Mm. Uh, business should be thriving, people get back to work. I mean, that's what we need urgently. Absolutely. Mark, good to talk to you. Uh, Look after yourself. We'll chat again next week. Thank you very much.